1: Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your stravinsky NBA podcast, because spring is almost upon us. That's right. See what I did there? The right of spring? Never mind. Um, How's it going, everybody? Out there in podcast land since the last time I talked to you, which was actually yesterday. Um, I don't know if you heard that one yet, but you should go check it out because uh dan Morang is an awesome guest and he's really smart about basketball and i think in general probably uh and it was a really fun podcast to do with him i wasn't on my a game so apologies to dan but you know but i think if you guys like the portland Trailblazers, you should definitely check that one out tonight i'm going to be talking to jordan malley from bloggables on the abpn network and we're going to get into what we dislike about our teams respectively i've been you know it's I swear to you guys, this is not a Sixers podcast. I go all over the league. I swear to you, I'm all over the league. I, I promise. And I'm going to do more of it in you know the coming weeks. And I'm going to talk about other things besides the Sixers because I am I have to get off this. But, you know, they made this crazy trade. And, you know, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what's going on with the Bulls. We're going to talk about what's going on with the Sixers. And we just thought that since the trade deadline happened and came and went, we're going to focus on our respective teams, our favorite teams. And we're going to, you know... Shoot the bull. Get it? Okay, anyway. So, ways to follow the podcast. You can go to iCloud, iCloud, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, um, Podcast Addict, uh, Facebook, um, the website, the Superflight Podcast at dot, uh, dot com and you can email the show at the superflight podcast at gmail dot com you can follow along on twitter at superflight pod you can follow me personally at joe barelli it's j o e b o r e l l i there you go first time i spelled it for you uh this is episode number forty two congratulations to me and congratulations to you because now you know my name is and it's not to be confused with the republican uh what is he is he a, a house representative from staten island i think uh of the same name, who's a big Trump supporter and a uh, yeah, re- Republican. He threw all his money in the game on Trump and he won. So good for Joe Borelli. Um, there's a lot of people saying not nice things about that guy. Uh, I guess I sort of benefit from his fame because people keep tweeting crappy th- things at me. but <clears throat> And I have to constantly turn them away and say, you are definitely not talking to the right guy. But that's okay. Um, any publicity is good publicity, I guess? I don't know. And he probably benefits from that just now. Go check him out. I'm much more handsome. Um, And uh, that's just what I like to think anyway. So should I do my ramble tonight? I didn't do it last night. I hardly did it last night. I gave you guys a real quick snippet about how I am a terrible person. But that's me in a nutshell. I'm a terrible person. Welcome to my world. Um, But, you know, actually, I did have a thought. So this is stupid. Again, I don't know why I tell you guys these. Things it's just like my free flowing uh, ramble my my whatever my brain happens to think of this is what I'm telling you so I'm riding the subway home from work last week right and so I'm going to go on a pro women's rights I'm a super feminist I am all about women power and girl power and I think that women probably should be running the world because guys are just dumb um, yes I include myself in this I, I'm actually primarily talking about myself when I say this. Um, and I'm riding, the, I'm waiting for the train to arrive. And I'm standing on the platform and a train stops. It's not my train. I don't want to take this train because it would take me to the World Trade Center. And that's not where I want to go. Um, I want to go to Brooklyn. I always want to go to Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. Anyway, train stops and this this couple gets off, this guy and this woman. And this woman is carrying bags of groceries. And what is the guy carrying? Well, besides nothing, he's carrying her arm. He's latched onto her like a handcuffs. He's latched onto her like a lobster has somebody in like in their grasp and won't let go it's the weirdest thing whenever i see these things like dude let her go what do you think she's gonna do run away from me i mean maybe she actually would run away from it didn't seem like an abusive situation and i'm just looking as an outsider i have no not no idea about their relationship but it seemed to me that like this dude is really insecure. I don't know why guys have to hold on to their women. And listen to what I just said there. Guys holding on to their women. I don't know why guys have to put their hands all over the ladies and like make sure that everyone knows that <clears throat> that we see that, you know, they're together and like, you know, she's with him and even though, you know, she's carrying all the groceries, he's doing jack uh s and Like, dude, why don't you just uh, pick up the groceries and just walk? And, you know, you don't have to hold on to the girl for dear life. She's not your mother. You're not, you're not, you know, two years old. You're not going to get lost. It's fine. Um, But I think that, I I don't know. It it, it weirds me out, I guess. I think that um, I, I always like to feel, especially living in New York, that we live in an age where women can choose to do whatever they want. They have the power and the ability and the intelligence and the, you know, everything, everything probably better than men do, because they're just the superior part of our race. And when I see a woman uh, kowtowing to a guy like that, or just like appeasing him, it bothers me. Like, what are you doing with this dude? Like, If you have to, I understand maybe you really love him. And I understand you see something in him that other people don't. And listen, they was a really attractive couple. They were both very good looking people. Um, But I, I don't understand why you have to put yourself in a position to... Um, appease the guy by letting him manhandle you and 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 I don't even know if he was manhandling her that's probably the wrong word I don't know maybe he was just trying to make sure that she was okay and maybe he had back issues maybe he uh, fell down on a flight of stairs and he couldn't carry any groceries and he just wanted to make sure that he was comforting her while she was straining herself to carry these groceries it was probably very caring of him I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I just wonder why people would put themselves in a position to um, enable someone else to feel strong and make themselves feel less so. Again, I don't know their relationship. I don't know anything about them. I'm just this is from a looker on. This is like the the thing that came to me, and I was like, why? Why are you holding her arm? What is the point? Um. Anyway. And listen, this is coming from a guy who has lots of freaking issues. I don't know if you've heard me talk before. Maybe you've listened to the beginning of my podcast. I'm a really insecure person. I won't go to gyms because I think everyone's looking at me, right? Um, it's fine. It's fine. I guess to each their own and I shouldn't be judgmental. Here's the moral of the story. Don't be a judgmental dick like I am. How's that? There's, there's your, uh, sum it up in my five minute speech. Um, Anyway, so don't be a judgmental jerk. Be good to each other. Don't hang on to your girlfriend, guys, when she's carrying groceries. Carry the groceries for her, especially if you're on a subway platform. Ladies, you don't need to hang on to him. I mean, you don't need to let him hang on to you. You are powerful, strong, and intelligent. And, you know, when we finally discover this about each other and come together as people, these are my campfire stories, my campfire philosophies here, um, we're going to be a much better people and nation and world for it okay that's my ramble jordan malley's coming right up uh right after these commercial messages so we interrupt this great podcast that you're listening to my name is kevin ray i'm tim Tompkins, and i'm justin kuzart and we host the drive and dish nba podcast we cover every team in the league and a bunch of really fun segments like Random NBA Player, Drive and Duggle and Hot Takes from Reddit. So when you're done listening to this podcast, give us a search on iTunes or whatever podcast streaming app you're listening on. We're also at driveanddishpodcast.com. We are the Drive and Dish NBA Podcast. Today's sponsor of the Superflight Podcast is Steiner Sports. At Steiner Sports memorabilia, you can get all the vintage sports gear you've always dreamed of. From posters to baseball mitts, jerseys to signed footballs, Steiner Sports has it. There's even an online auction where you can bid on memorabilia from your favorite team or players. Like at Allen Iverson signed basketball, I have my eye on. So go to SteinerSports.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY and get 20% off your purchase at checkout. At steinersports. promo code ALMIGHTY, and make all your vintage sports gear dreams come true. All right, now back to the show. All
0: right, so normally I start off by like just saying, just doing like a little minute intro, and then I don't know how you do yours, but um, ten
1: minute intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they'll have the podcast with the intro yeah
1: exactly i figured right, people well, don't like the nba they can still listen to me talk about my stupid life it's, it's always fun <laughs> why don't we do this jordan welcome to the super flight podcast why don't you tell the listeners tell my listeners how to get in touch with you and where to follow you
0: well this is a little bit of a crossover episode here for almighty baller uh you can listen to me over at the debatables podcast all talking about all things chicago bulls Mostly Chicago Bulls sometimes touch on the NBA, bring on guests from the NBA, but uh, this is this is fun. For both of our listeners, we can do a little bit of a crossover episode where we're going to incorporate both shows, both audiences getting a chance to listen to hear from both sides. So uh, how are you today?
1: I'm good. How, I'm, how are you? I think we just got acquainted for like the last 10 minutes when we were trying to set up the record. Yeah,
0: but... yeah if, if anybody out there knows how to set up audition, uh, <laughs> mine just crashed, so we sat here for the last 10 minutes with good audio, but now talking... Uh, with it recording now, so, um, but you can follow me at Jordan C. Malley on Twitter. You can listen to all of our podcasts over at almightyballer.com or on iTunes at the Debatables or on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. We're part of the A-Team podcast, so there's almost, we have almost have every team covered at Almighty Baller now. Um, we're the Bulls-specific podcast, so if you want to listen to uh, Basketball Purgatory, join us at the Debatables.
1: <laughs> nice. Now introduce me on your, as a guest on your show. It'll be fun.
0: So the debatables podcast, <laughs> my name is Jordan Melly. I'm the host of the debatables as this crossover comes over. Uh, wow, I just blanked on how to say, okay, Joe Bore- is Borelli, right? Borelli,
1: it's Borelli, yeah.
0: Joe Borelli from uh, the Superflight podcast has decided to join me as, like we said, a little bit of a crossover episode. Um, so yeah, he talks about all the NBA. He's a Sixers fan. Um, so we're going to talk about the first thing that I really wanted to talk about here on this podcast was why Jaleel Okafor is not wearing a Bulls uniform right now because I 110% thought that was going to happen. Without a doubt in my mind, that is the atypical Bulls player. If you talk about Eddie Curry 2.0, it's Jaleel (laughs) Okafor.
1: So that begs the question right off the bat, did you want that trade to happen?
0: No, but (laughs) I I look at what they traded for McDermott and I looked what they traded for Gibson and McDermott and a second round pick and I said... I asked myself this question I probably shouldn't have is would Jaleel Okafor been a better chance to take than maybe Cameron Payne and some of these other guys? That's the question I really have to beg. And I guess you can you can answer this question better than anybody else.
1: All right. So Cameron Payne is a really damn good dancer. Um, but other than that, <laughs> I think Okafor might have been the better bet for you guys. Honestly... um, I, the, the thing about Okafor is like, he can definitely get you buckets. He can score on the post. He's definitely a throwback, an old school down in the post, back to the basket kind of scorer. Um, he doesn't give you a whole lot else. But I, you know, honestly, for the Bulls, maybe it does make more sense to take Cameron Payne because they needed a point guard. They needed somebody who can actually shoot a three ball a little bit. And distribute. I mean, I don't yeah, think he's guess... shown anything in his game yet that would make that. I thought Doug McDermott was a way better player, and I
0: don't know from a national perspective, from outside of Chicago, where he did he did get a lot of grief in Chicago, and some of it rightfully deserved, especially for his defense. His defense atrocious, and if he even figures out to be halfway of an average defender, he's going to be really good in this league. We, I said it on the podcast a couple days ago, that he's going to go to Oklahoma City now and be a guy that can put up twenty, twenty-five, thirty points in a game. If he, especially if he's lights on from three-pointer, and I feel like he's going to get a lot more opportunity with Russell Westbrook. You're talking about. Ball.
1: You're talking about Dougie McBuckets now, right? Just, just yes. clarifying. Just clarifying.
0: Yeah, no. Yes, I think... yes. That was Doug, that was Doug McDermott. Yeah, uh, Jaleel Okafor. To me, I don't know.
1: I, don't, I mean, like what, you what, you, said, what, what do you said? Back to
0: the basket.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not the thing about the thing about Okafor is listen, I'm sure he's a nice kid. I am sure his work ethic is great. The, the whole time he's been in Philadelphia, he's been in a really bad position for himself and for the team. It's not a good match. They don't play the same style of basketball that he plays. Actually, nobody plays the same style of basketball that he plays anymore. It's just not a good fit. And it, despite all of that, Okafor has not complained, he's not acted out. He's been a trooper, even when he was almost traded to the Blazers last week before. And they, they sat him. I've talked about this a few times now. They kept him home for a road game. Excuse me, this beer, I tell you. I, and <laughs> <laughs> when you hit your 40s and you keep drinking, you just, you know, you, you get burps. But <laughs> but he uh i mean he's he's been a, really a consummate pro for the most part for like what you would expect for a kid that's what 22 years old i think it's it's incredible he's he's handled himself with absolute professionalism in that respect jaleel okafor gets a whole lot of credit he's he's been really good as far as his game i think he needs a different system i think he needs a change of of scenery i think he you know it's tough I think he does have some potential to improve defensively I don't think he's gonna be as bad as he is right now on defense and you can already see it his defense as little as he's played this season with his inconsistent minutes he's um he tries some nights and he, he puts in effort some nights and when he does he's not bad he can block some shots amazingly without ever leaving the ground it's it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen he has hands like a so, waffle and they're just like just giant, like a catcher. He could just stop anything. But I think he caught a comet so, once while I was watching a game. I wasn't sure. But go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so why did the 76ers decide to move on from Nerland so well and then ended, ended up keeping Okifer? Like, even if the 76ers weren't going to get all that much for Okifer, if they're pretty much done and set on, you know, not really having this guy become a contributor on the 76ers team moving forward... Why trade another asset that I thought they were going to hold on to for a while? And it seems like I like him going to Dallas. I think it's wonderful for Dallas. But what was the what was the sudden need to push him out and say, "All right, let's get a let's get a deal on this"?
1: I can sum this up really quickly. The ineptitude of Brian Colangelo was the need <laughs> to push him out. did listen. Brian Colangelo fumbled this situation so badly from from the start when he refused to trade either one of the guys this past summer when he could have, when he could or last last offseason, when Boston was willing to throw a first round pick at the Sixers to get rid of to take Nerlens Noel. And listen, I'm glad that they didn't trade Noel to, to Boston because that would have killed me inside, even more than like it does now. Um, and honestly, I think I'm really happy for New Orleans Noel, the player. I love watching him. I think his game is amazing. He's he's like one of the best defensive players in the league and he's only 22 years old and he's going to get better. He landed in a perfect situation for him. He's going to excel under Carlisle. He's going to be a great center. Someone, I think it was Ben Dietrich on on Twitter mentioned that Nerlens Noel is this year's um uh, James Harden like the underrated player that somebody stole for a song and like he's going to blossom he's going to be amazing he wouldn't have been able to do that in Philadelphia I think especially and knock on wood Joel Embiid stays or gets healthy and stays that way but the reason he moved him now is just because it was basically ego in his face he waited too long to do anything and then he was demanding way too much for Julio Loco so he values Okafor as a third overall pick, but Okafor is not worth that. And he just refused. His own ego got in his way. And this is what I can't stand about him because we're going to talk in a little bit about drafting and how he's done there and what, he's, what moves he's made so far in the offseason. But when it came to Julio Okafor, it was all about his ego. When it came to the Netherlands Noel trade, it's about his damn ego. When the first time I heard Brian Clangelo talk, when he came to Philadelphia he he went on Derek Bodner's podcast the Sixers beat and he blamed his lack of success in Toronto on Chris Bosh and the second he said that I'm like this guy is a douche <laughs> he's an egomaniac he's just like his father and he's going to ruin everything that Sam Hinkie set up I'm sorry please take the mic because I will just keep continue to talking or continue talking something like that I will just keep talking go ahead <laughs>
0: it's it's it seems like we have the same type of frustration with both of our front offices, and this is kind of why we brought this podcast together is to talk about uh, specific front offices in the NBA that just just don't have a clue. And the Chicago Bulls for now and for a lack of better term, the last couple of years have really sat in this window of not making the playoffs. Not really getting any younger or more athletic like they said that they were going to, and this has been a repeat topic that we've talked about on the podcast, and it's it's something that is now being exposed to a bunch of contradictions and a bunch of flat out lies to the fans. Um, they said in the summer that Dwayne Wade was part of their whole offseason plan, that it was a guy that they were going to go after after spewing off something in May saying that they wanted to get younger more athletic and this has been the the story and the song in Chicago but then they come out and say after they make this deal for Cameron Payne that Dwayne Wade just kind of landed in their lap and this that he they were never really thinking that he was going to be a part of this this team in 2016-17 and so then it just it sits there, and you listen to both of those contradictions that John Paxson openly makes to the media and talking about why didn't you trade for the draft picks? Why didn't you unload Butler uh, when you could have had you know a protected first round pick? And that's something that's still even up to to for debate. I listened on uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, him and Brian Winhorst uh, were talking about this deal and how whether or not the picks were protected or not, and people are saying that. Um, Boston's front office was holding that pick protected in top three. And if they were doing that, then I'm I'm glad that they didn't unload Jimmy Butler. But uh, if it wasn't protected, I just don't understand the deal. So it brings me back to my point is the lies and the inconsistencies and the Bulls hanging now in a playoff spot with uh, less chance of getting a good draft pick. They're not going to hit on the Kings pick now that Cousins is gone. Uh, It's been a whole mess in the last few years, and it accumulated. It could even accumulate still when Tom Thibodeau was here.
1: Yeah, and I think it shows you that like it's a front office that cares more about consistently getting into the playoffs and middling and selling tickets than it does about building a real championship culture there, which is sad. Listen, as a Sixers fan, I've dealt with this for the last twenty years, ever since Iverson, and even before then. the The ownership group, I mean just wanted it wasn't even an ownership group then it was it was uh, an owner. Um my God, he owned the Flyers. I can't remember his name right now. He just passed away, but he just like the Sixers was his afterthought. The Flyers were his baby, the Sixers were his afterthought. And all he wanted to do was put butts in the seat and get to the playoffs, you know, consistently. And they consistently got to the eighth seed and bowed out in the first round, if they got there at all. And it just, you know, after a while, the fans left. Like basketball in Philadelphia was almost non-existent people just didn't care because the product was not there because they had nothing to root for after Allen Iverson was gone there was nothing exciting about basketball in Philadelphia like there was you know there's so many kids playing on the streets around Philly and like there's so many NBA players that are from Philadelphia in the league like uh, Kyle Lowry right but you couldn't get people to give a crap about that team when Ed Snyder owned it Ed Snyder there you go um and then they sold the group, they sold the, the franchise and they sold it to this ownership group and, um, the new ownership group came in and they, they made some wholesale changes and they looked like they were going to go in the right direction. And part of that was tanking and cleaning house and cleaning out. And everyone was on, I mean, everyone that really actually cared about the team was on board. We, Sam Hinkey is our hero. Um, and that's kind of like what, even though it sucked for a few years, like It was actually kind of fun to root for your team to lose to get those draft picks. It overall sucked watching your team lose so much, but you knew there was a design. You knew there was a plan in place. You knew there was a process, right? And I think that's what has gotten Philadelphia fans through this time, where Bulls fans just don't have that right now. They're making every crazy move just to keep people coming, like signing Dwayne Wade, like signing Rajon Rondo, just keep people coming to this to the stands and and buying tickets and getting you into that that playoff spot, but it doesn't you ultimately no good because your draft pick is going to suck
0: yeah and that's been the that's been the whole problem with the bulls and it's been a, a concern that's been voiced by whether it's writers or fans or analysts on TV people outside the national perspective are seeing the bulls as a team that okay they go out and they compete and they they're going to get in the playoffs and they've got it few okay pieces and unfortunately for bulls fans they're not the most destructive team in the nba right now i mean they're not the complete dumpster fire like maybe you talk about the knicks being maybe you talk about the kings being um and that's tough because then the spotlight really isn't nationally on the bulls anymore it's it's you know okay we have a top four franchise that's in worth to the nba um, gonna make the playoffs. Doesn't matter what their seed is; they're still gonna make the playoffs, and they're still gonna be on national TV. Um, it, it, it makes me question a lot of these franchises too, and it makes me question like the Lakers franchise and the Knicks and the Bulls—three franchises that are your top wealthiest, you know, worth the most to the league—and yet none of them have made the playoffs or really been all that good in the last few years. And so I'm looking at the Bulls team being you know, not getting out of this, this mess. I mean, the Knicks have Kristaps Porzingis and the Lakers have a boatload of young talent too. And I mean, they've got Brandon Ingram. They're set up for, for future success where the Bulls, what do they have? Yeah. What young guy can they build around? And that's, that's leads us to our first point is draft picks in the last, since the John Paxson Gar Foreman era took over, the draft picks have been horrid outside Jimmy Butler and uh, Derek Rose, which was handed to them. It's been bad. It's been really bad. And I, I'm sad to flip it over to you because the guy that brought in a lot of your draft picks
1: is now no longer with the team. He died for our sins, Hinky. I just want you to know this. <clears throat> in case you haven't heard this before. <laughs> um, yeah, not, you know, the funny thing is, like, I can't really complain about about the new regime, the new, like the Colangelo regime. Because um, he's actually made some decent draft picks so far. He's only been here for one draft, and he picked... Uh, TLC, uh, which is, um, Timotei Lualo cabarro and he got, um, uh, hold on, who else? I'm glad you know
0: how to say that yeah. <laughs> name because I have no idea how to say that.
1: <laughs> Rashawn Holmes, I think he, did he pick Rashawn Holmes or is this Rashawn Holmes second? This is Rashawn Holmes second year, sorry. I think I was a Hinky pick. Um, which by the way, they, they blasted Hinky for his draft picks is one of the reasons they drove him out of the, out of the, you know, the franchise. And so far his picks seem to be pretty damn good. Um, Dario why, Sarge, why Joel we, Embiid. Why was he-
0: Wait, go back to that. Why was he drove out because of his draft picks? Just because Joel Embiid was injured? Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, people
1: knew what Joel Embiid was going to be, right? Right. But the thing is, he didn't have anything to show for the first few years. So the first year he selected Nerland's Noel and Michael Carter Williams, right? Nerlens Noel was out his entire first year. Michael Carter Williams washed out in a year, and we traded him the beginning of the second, right? Or was it even the first? I don't know, but whatever. They got really high value for him. He won the he he won the Rookie of the Year with the Sixers, and right. then they shipped him the shortly after that. Right, because he was a good evalu- evaluator of talent and realized that, like, Michael Carter Williams, and you should know this, is not that good. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's being nice. That's being yeah. modest to talk about Michael Carter Williams.
1: Listen, when I when he was on the team the first year, I was like, yeah, this kid's going to be good. And, like, and everybody talked about his counting stats and he was on a really bad team. I'm like, no, 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 no. he's got something. He's got something. In the second year it came around within, th- like, the first 10 games. I was like, I am totally out on this kid. He's shown no improvement whatsoever. And... So Hinky traded him, and what did we get? We got the Lakers th- first round pick, top three protected overall. And if they get out of the top three this year, the Sixers get it. If they land at number four, the Sixers get their pick. That's what we got for Michael Carter Williams. I have no complaints about Sam Hinky at all whatsoever. Ever in my life. I will have his name tattooed on my tattooed cemented on my headstone when I die. But as far as as far as Brian Colangelo, my problem isn't with his draft picks. I think he's drafted fine so far. He picked the obvious choice of Ben Simmons, number one overall. He picked up Timotei Lualo cabarro which is a great pick. I think that kid's got a really good uh, career ahead of him. He's going to be a 3 and D guy. And he got uh, another guy who's overseas right now. Like, his name escapes me. Forking Corkmaz. Um And I think he just stood pat and he didn't make any stupid trades and he drafted really well, seemingly so far. So it's only been one, I can't really speak to it, but you could probably speak more about how your GM has picked really bad picks. Talk about some of the ones that have really washed out.
0: Yeah. So the, the fans that don't follow Chicago that closely, I mean, you can obviously point to the, the most important one of them all is Mark Marquise Teague from Kentucky, that Kentucky team that, ended up dra- all five starters got drafted in that in that NBA draft. That was 20, 20, 2011, 2012, 2012, I think, yeah, after they won the national title. Um, he was the only one to bust out. I mean, he did virtually nothing. He sat on the bench for the first year, uh, played occasionally, showed that he really couldn't play. And the funniest thing about that draft pick, and most people know this by now, but um, – Tom Thibodeau wanted to draft Draymond Green, but insisted that the front office insisted that Marcus Teague needed to be picked. They needed another point guard to back up Derrick Rose in case anything further happened. So they picked him instead. And the funniest part of that whole story is uh, it goes that Derrick Rose went to watch Marcus Teague play at Kentucky in um, the NCAA or a couple games before in conference play. And I guess he went and watched two or three games came back and told the front office do not draft this guy he can't ball in the nba and he's he's gonna be a flunk out basically derrick rose scouted him and told him you know don't draft him and they drafted him anyway so um i mean take derrick rose's advice for what it is right. but the guy actually knows hoops outside of anything else i don't really know but um he knows hoops and if he told you not to draft the guy and he's a point guard too why would you draft the guy? And then look at what Draymond, Draymond Green is Draymond Green now. Right. Um, other guys to consider are Tony Snell, uh, no longer on the team. Doug McDermott, no longer on the team. Bobby Portis, uh, they they traded up for McDermott too, by the way. Uh, Gary Harris was taken and so was uh, Jerkic, I think.
1: Yeah, I believe you're uh, right. I'd have to go back and look at the thing, obviously. but
0: Yeah. I have the memory um, of a wet noodle, but so any- this is hard for me. <laughs> This is, in this, it, we could extend it all the way back. I mean, this this talk of draft picks. I mean, they they tr- they drafted Lamarcus Aldridge and immediately fl- flipped him for Tyrus Thomas. And look how well that happened. Look how well that worked for the Bulls. Um, they've had some nice quality bench guys that they've that they've drafted quality guys that have come on and been productive for the bulls but no superstars no guys you can build your franchise around outside of jimmy Butler. um if derrick rose's knees would have held up that would have been a different story and i think that's something that this front office can attest to too is is they they put a lot of their chips in the basket with derrick rose and for that not to work out i think is ultimately going to be one of the biggest downfalls and it's as much as i don't like our packs i think that's that's something that eventually it'll hurt them and it still hurts them and it's not really their fault
1: you know and that's that's a good point like they were they're not that far removed from a team that everyone thought was going to challenge for the title in the east when derrick rose went down in 2012 against the sixers in the playoffs playoffs everyone thought they were going to be right there in the eastern conference finals so they kind of went all in you know um i think where they fumbled oh yeah you
0: guys remember that game you just played this the first derek rose injury was against the 76ers and <laughs> I still, andre i can just i can i have flashes of Andre Iguodala just throwing dunks down from nearly the free-throw line against a bulls team that was down like 20 or 30 at the time
1: and noah uh, got that, injured that was a horrible series yeah noah got injured too yeah that was the first time the sixers made it out of the first round in in many many years so i was really and happy they were with making
0: it. sure that Luol dang didn't die on the court. I mean, yeah. the dude is playing with the blood disorder and the, the leg injury and it, and then they're like, "No, nah, get him out there, get him out there." And I mean, and they had a... three guys that they would
1: Yeah, and they had a really they had a really bad run of luck there. I think the the issue that they've run into, the reason that they maybe should get more flack than they're getting is because they haven't handled the recovery well. They've done nothing to show you that, like, oh, we can do this again. We can build another team. They Yes, they have Jimmy Butler, and he was a diamond in the rough. But aside from that, you're right, they've picked... And when they even picked Doug McDermott, who has some potential, they just traded him for nothing. Traded him for, like, a, a point guard who probably won't be anything in the NBA. And, and I, I understand they let Taj Gibson go because he was going to be a free agent, and he wasn't going to come back. Anyways, that one makes sense to me. But if you're going to do that, I mean, just just scrap it. Just trade Jimmy Butler, let him go to a contender, get whatever you can, you know, start over and show that you like have some competence and some direction. And I think every move they've made for the last couple of years it just shows that they have no direction. They're just like listless and floating in the abyss. Does that sum it up?
0: Well, I'll let you in on a little I'll let you on a little secret here about the Bulls is that they've pretty much decided that uh, the course that they're on right now um, is is going to be the one that they're going to stand pat with. And the owner that is to be now, um, Jerry Reinsdorf's son, Michael Reinsdorf, pretty much has taken over all the operations for the Bulls, and Jerry just oversees it. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but Jer- Jerry Reinsdorf also owns the Chicago White Sox too and invested heavily in baseball, uh, loves his baseball team. He talks all the time about his baseball team and how much he loves it. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I think he would trade a world his World Series, he wouldn't trade his World Series for the six rings that he got in the NBA, uh, building the Michael Jordan dynasty and people could call me crazy for it, but the guy loves baseball. Um, and but that brings me to another interesting point. and you maybe can attest to this a little bit. Um, but outside of what the Bulls have done, well outside of what the Bulls did in the 90s, They haven't had all that much success in it yet. It's been unfair that LeBron's been in the Eastern Conference um, for the better part of 10, 12, 13 years. I mean, not being able to get out of that, plus Derrick Rose injuries, um, just kind of mediocre sitting there. And the Bulls really haven't contended for anything since then. And I think Bulls fans are really fed up with it. And 76ers fans probably could have attested to that. Um, post I would say even post Allen Iverson era kind of no direction really and that's how the Bulls fans feel right now and the saddest part of it all is the cash cows still bringing in money and it's still sold seats even though people have started not to show up even the game tonight against Denver they weren't showing up the United Center was half full so uh, people are getting angry and frustrated it's just not going to translate to anything until there is an actual financial squeeze on this team which will never happen because of well, 23.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Well, it's like I was talking to you earlier about how after Iverson was gone and like, you know, the team just went... I mean, we had Iguodala. I loved Iguodala, but fans got really sour on Iguodala because he was paid like a max player who wasn't capable of running, you know, being the number one guy on your offense. No discredit to Iguodala. He's still one of my favorite players. He is an amazing basketball player that didn't really get his credit. Um, but he's not your number one scoring option. And... The team tried to put some crappy players around them and tried to, you know, it was the same thing. They just tried to make it to the playoffs and make their money. And, you know, it, it drove people away. And I feel like that's happening with the Bulls fans right now. It's, it, it feel, I feel bad for you guys. Like, I'm actually, as a Sixers fan, on the opposite side of that. Like, I get to watch the team be horrible and grow from the ground up, which is amazingly fun. Um, you guys are on the other end of that where you had a really good, you had great potential and it just kind of, fell out from underneath you, and now you're middling. So let me ask you the next question. Is there any hope for the future with this franchise?
0: I would say at this point, my perspective on it is Bulls fans should just, I hate to say this, but for Jimmy Butler's sake, you should embrace it for him at least. The guy deserves to be embraced by the fans, and just because the front office is making moves that aren't the smartest for the franchise in the future and aren't, necessarily going to push them closer to a championship, you should still support Jimmy Butler in a way. And it's hard for me to tell people to still embrace the team because um, being the sixth and seventh seed or eighth seed in the, uh, in the playoffs and getting an 18 to 22 draft pick every year isn't it wears out on people and getting second tier free agent wears out on people because let's be honest, the bulls aren't drawing any big name free agents anymore. And with the new CBA, uh, it's going to be a lot tougher for guys who are drafted and are successful with their teams to, to leave teams to go somewhere else because they can get paid the most money with the other team. Um, I wanted to fill you in on a little other snippet, uh, of information on Cameron Payne too, while we're here. Um, bulls blogger, they posted a tweet today, um, and it said, well, found the smoking gun as to why the Bulls like Cameron Payne so much. So a little bit of background is uh, Gar Foreman, close ties to Iowa State. Uh, that's why Fred Hoiberg is now the coach of the Bulls. A big Iowa State connection there. Um, Gar Foreman was an co- assistant coach, worked uh, front office I- Iowa State. Fred Hoiberg was obviously the coach there. So strong ties for them. Um, so Cameron Payne, I guess, had an assistant coach. And this guy by the name of William Small – Um, His Wikipedia page reads, an American basketball coach who is currently an assistant coach for the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, He worked in several jobs, and his assistant coach job was under former Iowa State head coach Tim Floyd at UTEP. And if you know anything about Tim Floyd, Tim Floyd has strong connections to the Bulls, to Gar Foreman, um, to Iowa State. So the last little bit of information on Cameron Payne is is William Small is credited with being the lead recruiter for Murray State on Cameron Payne, who was also a first-round draft pick. So bingo. They found out the reason why the Bulls were so high on Cameron Payne, because all these other guys that were surrounded by the Bulls and the Bulls' little cronies are just chirping about Cameron Payne and how successful he was because they recruited him in college, so the plot thickens, it gets deeper and deeper every, every day. And you figure out new things about this team that, that honestly shouldn't, shouldn't surprise any bulls fan or any NBA fan. And it just, uh, I pray that the bulls somehow make the playoffs and then they get bounced out of the first round. And we move on from, from all of this and maybe D Wade opts out and we can talk about some type of future. I don't know what it's going to be, but some type of future. Um, but what about your front office? How about, uh, the, the level of hate? Where's it going? And, uh, how do you see it? How do you see the future for the 76 years? Maybe in the next three, four years.
1: I'll say this: um, I'm really not confident in Brian Colangelo's ability to negotiate a good trade on the behalf of the organization. I've lost complete confidence in him. His his drafting was fine. His this trade of Nerlens Noel because his back was against the wall and he, because of his own stupid ego, has just thrown I think everybody in Philadelphia for a loop. Nerlens Noel was a beloved figure by the fans. I know there was, you know, quote unquote, issues about his attitude, which I never saw. And, and like, he did come out and blast the team this summer. And he, he was really upset about his lack of playing time because there was too many centers on the court. Um, but he, for the most part, was a really, from anything you heard from the guys on the team, they're like, he's a he's a good guy. He's an upstanding character. He's a, he's a leader on the team. And the things he brings to the table, um, his his steals just to start his the the quickness of his hands is unlike any any seven foot player he's not quite seven foot but any seven foot player I've ever seen in the league he's so fast did you see that Close first? Enough. did you yeah exactly did you see the first game highlights from when he was on Dallas that he finished the game with a strip Steel and dunked the ball like he just ran into court like a gazelle and he dunked the hell out of that ball. He is amazing. If I had to choose between Nolan's Noel and Jaleel Okafor, I'm choosing Nolan's Noel every time and six times on Sunday. I don't know if that's how the expression goes, but I've just made one up. <laughs> and here's the thing if 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 Joel Embiid doesn't stay healthy, and I am really deeply concerned at this point because he's had a slew of injuries since he's come into the league. Like his feet seem to be okay now, but now it's his knee. Before that it was his back. And he's a seven foot two guy who he's very athletic, but he's just also he's a seven foot two guy. Like seven foot two people don't tend to stay together all that well. Um, and I'm a little bit worried. And if I had to pick I know things were, people were saying, well, New Noel didn't want to be a backup. He wants to be a starting center. And I deservedly, he's that good. Um, his offense isn't there and you can't, you can't pay. I mean, they were worried they were going to have to pay him as a starting center because his contracts up this summer. So I get that part of it. But if I had to pick a guy to back up Jaleel or Jaleel, uh, there's one more left. Joel Embiid, it was going to be Nerlens Noel. He's your safety blanket, not Jaleel. Jaleel can't do those kinds of things. He's a liability defensively. And while he could stand to get better over the course of his career, he's not right for this system. So my confidence has been shattered. With all of the great or seemingly good picks or not screwing up that Brian Colangelo has done so far, he made one gigantic mistake in trading Nerlens Noel. And that, by the way, he also. He even traded away Irsan Eliasofa, which was a great trade. He got two second-round picks for him, and it was it was wonderful. Like, we didn't need him on the team. Dario Saric really needed those minutes. He needed to develop. He did a great job trading him away. Up until that point, he did everything that I thought he should do, that every fan of Philadelphia, every smart person in Philadelphia thought that he should do. And then he went and did this and lost my confidence completely. And I attribute it only to his freaking ego because he's he, him and his giant collars and his tailored suits and his freaking ego, man. I'm like, I have no faith in him. Go on. How about you? What about, what about your front office? I mean, we've just talked a little bit about it, but they can't inspire that much uh, confidence, right? Well,
0: I want to touch on the note. neural a law thing for real quick is I th- to be honest with you, not talking about either one of our teams, but that Dallas team. I don't know. I know. I know it's early, and I know I shouldn't hold a lot of you know hope right now for a lot of guys that are a lot really uncertain. But my boy Yogi Ferrell mm-hmm. at the point guard for Dallas now, getting the reins there with Harrison Barnes and now Nerlens Noah. I think they're they're starting to figure out to start build something pretty quickly. I mean, I think more quickly than they thought even. And to unload that Bogut, you know, unload the Bogut contract onto the 76ers was big. Let and me stop you I right think... there.
1: There's another thing that nobody talks about. The Bogut contract. Listen, here's another thing that really kills me about this Brian Colangelo thing. I just want to bring this up. They got Andrew Bogut and they had to release him. People were vying for Andrew Bogut because he can give you a couple minutes off the bench in the playoffs. They could have gotten something for Bogut's contract, but, but, Brian Colangelo put himself in a position where he couldn't do anything with it. He, the deadline was over. He couldn't hold on to him. It was either hold him or release him. If he had made that trade two weeks sooner even, he would have put himself in the position to get something for Andrew Bogut. But what did he do? He got a second-round pick this year and a second-round pick in 2020, and, he, and they put it together as if they got a first-round pick. As if they got a first-round pick for New Zaval, It's top 18 protected. There's no way in hell that's a first-round pick. That's two seconds. There's Dallas, even if they win out the rest of the season, they're not finishing with, you know, what would they have to finish? If it's top 18 protected, they'd have to finish 19th in the league, right? They're not finishing that high. right? They're not. It's just not. It's an impossibility. So he traded him for two second-round picks and Justin Anderson. What was the buyout for Andrew Bogut? I don't even know yet. I haven't. I haven't had time to look today. I just got home from work not that long ago. So I want to say. I want to say it's
0: probably more than they probably should have paid for that. But um, that's a that's another interesting thing. Is um, another player that I was thinking about is Rondo. And I like they're, the Bulls are talking about point guards. The Bulls have five point guards on their team, um, and they need to find a way to cut one of them. And I think they've been talking about doing that. Rondo makes the most sense for me. I mean, why? If you want to see what the young players can do, like they said after they made this trade for Cameron Payne, um, if you want to see what the young guys can do out there, then why is Rajon Rondo still coming off the bench and playing 30, 35 minutes a game um, when you've got four point guards, three, uh, four of them being younger than twenty-five? Why do you still have got? Why do you still have Rondo out there? You know. Playing minutes, um, so to me, I don't understand why the Bulls just don't buy him out for three million and let him go. And the ties that they had, um, and an interesting topic that somebody brought up on the podcast uh, on Saturday, Matt Peck of Sports Mockery, he said that he feels like Rondo would be the perfect fit with the Seventy Sixers. Oh. Now,
1: hear me out on this. <laughs> no, I'm closing my ears. Go.
0: <laughs> if you if you put Rondo on that team. And you know anything about his background, about what he did here in Chicago as of recently with the Instagram post and kind of having the back of the young guys, you know, teaching him the way and, you know, sticking up for these young guys. He felt like the 76ers could benefit from a guy like this kind of um, someone who sticks up for the younger guys and. You know, shows them the way, but then there's also that other edge to it where he starts mouthing off. He starts doing things you don't want your young guys to learn. So it's an interesting balance. So what would you say to maybe a a, a, rond- a Rondo deal to the 76ers if you were to be cut? This is just me, totally I'm, hypothetical, I'll never going to happen.
1: I'll say this. If I could slap you through the internet right now, I would. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you sir ever introducing it <laughs> and it was no. an
0: interesting conversation to have but uh now i know now i clearly understand how the 76ers fans feel about that do you want my well, i don't take blame on you Ra- i don't want him on the team
1: either yeah do you want my take on Johnson? yeah Arano? let's hear it all right first of all he's a dirtbag and listen i'm a firm believer in people can change i'm a firm believer in like there's good in everyone and you can you can find your inner butterfly but right now the dude's a dirtbag he's you you know the things he said about the only open gay um official in the nba like got into his head and and said crap to him like he's a dirtbag he said other really questionable things i'm sorry i am not a rondo fan um the other thing is uh it, well let me ask you that I'll, I'll i'll put it to you like this if the bulls would cut rajon rondo and buy him out for three million do you think he has a place in the nba next year or do you think he's overseas
0: man that's tough i i I think he's got a job in the NBA somewhere. If he takes almost nothing as far as money wise, he just wants to play. I think I think there's no way anybody pays him nearly the money that he got with the Bulls, and he would get paid next year if there was the if he had, if he had optioned in. Um, I don't know. I I can't even think of a team, a contending team, that would want to risk their locker room, their chemistry, everything that they've built. To bring in a guy that maybe could help you off the bench, maybe he'll toss be, a couple of nice passes. He's not going to score for you, but he'll never be happy I, coming I, off. I the bench. honestly
1: don't know. Yeah, he'll never be happy off the bench. Just I, I would kinda... say
0: if he takes if he takes less than three million a year. Uh, next year to play somewhere I think he lands somewhere on the NBA whether it's a really trash roster that just needs to fill out the roster or it's a contending team where he's going to play you know maybe 10-15 minutes a night at most um, otherwise you're right he's going to be overseas playing which I think he'd be fine with I mean you make a ton of money over in China or uh, over in Europe and you see some of those other guys who've done that and they're having success what's his name? Greg Oden had like some ridiculous game a couple months ago where he had like forty one rebounds or something crazy. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it was ridiculous. He had like ninety-two points and do like forty something rebounds. And he just came uh, out and said he's done but know, yeah, he's he could retiring.
1: Well yeah Rondo could do that. He could oh, run Oh really? Yeah, he he's done with basketball apparently. I think I don't think his knees can hold up. Anyway, that's that's a different topic. But I mean, yeah, you just you just answered your own question. Nobody wants Rondo on their team. He he's too much of a liability. He's almost he's a way less gifted version of boogie cousins boogie's a locker room cancer apparently but man that boy can ball out holy crap um
0: (laughs) and if you saw him on the parade today in the parade today um, uh over snapchat (laughs) he was so happy too and i just thought about a thousand ways he was thinking in his head like man it's good to be in new orleans
1: yeah uh, I should call him a man. He's a grown man. I, I don't
0: know why I would call him. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's a grown. That so yeah, man you're right. can no, ball no, no. out. He's got that. I don't know what's up with the the Kings roster and like why the Kings continue to bring in guys that are just like locker room cancers, and then they flip flop and say that they want to bring guys in that have integrity. But you look at the guys that are still on their roster or were on their roster, like Matt Barnes and guys that have had questionable character issues. You, you look know, at that. Matt to Barnes me it is kind like of the, parallels what the Bulls have done.
1: Fair. Uh, Matt Barnes is kind of like the ultimate team guy. He's the he's like the pit bull in the locker. He got his guys backed at all times. Like you know, he's 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 one of those famously you love to have him on your team. You hate him when he's on the other team. Like you absolutely hate him. I think Matt. I think he was a you know. I think he was a good influence. But yeah, I see what you're saying. The Bulls definitely have. I keep going back to this. I had this um preseason. You know the the preseason predictions, right? At the beginning of the season I didn't see that there was any way this roster was going to work. And this is the second time I'm bringing this up. Um and my prediction was that Jimmy Butler was going to fight Rondo on the court at some point this season. And we were that close. We were that close.
0: It was it was that's ridiculous. They it was it was literally that close and what they did what Wade and Butler did with the whole, you know, coming out and calling out the team and throwing everybody under the bus. That was pretty lame. Yeah. Well. Uh, And then Rondo sided with the young guys and it just, it created a whole mess that Fred Hoiberg didn't ask for, but Gar Forman and John Paxson found a way to create. And if I'm Fred Hoiberg, I'm sitting there like, you guys didn't assemble this roster the way that I know how to coach and what I was sold on, what you sold your fans on. This is not what we we talked about when we were going to assemble and I was going to stay here for five years. And, if I was Fred Hoiberg, I'd be pissed. I, I'd be genuinely mad at the Bulls for the roster that they've given him and the draft picks that they've taken and now gotten rid of. Um, his only real asset that he has is Butler, and if he loses that, he could potentially lose his job. Um, Gar you know, Foreman loves him, but at a certain tipping point, you've something's got to change. What, are you going to fire all, all 12, 13 guys that are on your roster, or are you going to fire the head coach? You're going to fire the head coach.
1: Right. Do you think he's I think he's on a hot seat anyway don't you
0: I think so but they said already on Chicago radio this past week after the deadline especially Gar Foreman he went on ESPN1000 um, and talked and said that you know their jobs are safe and that Fred Hoyberg's job is safe that that's their coach and that's the guy that they're sticking with so uh, it's for them it's basically them telling bulls fans suck it up this is what you're getting and if you don't like it then I, I don't really
1: care. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And yeah, you're right. for For the coach, it, he must be like he's. They put him in such a bad position. It's not even the roster they hired him to coach. They didn't. They didn't hire him to coach this. And isn't his like a spread offense sort of deal? I never watched him in college. It's, I don't, yeah, it's, it's motion. It, it's more a like,
0: it's a run and gun type of right. offense where you're running up and down the floor, and he consistently wants his guys shooting. I mean, his he wants his best players shooting. You know, having the ball in his hands fifteen, twenty, twenty-five times in the first half, he wants guys constantly shooting, moving up and down the floor. He doesn't need these slow-motion guys, guys that are going to play isolation. That's not the really the way he he did it in college, and he saw success by running and going to outscore you, outshoot you. you. Might not play the best defense, which is completely opposite of what Tom Thibodeau did. Uh, but he said, "We're going to shoot the lights out." And hopefully make you go away, and that's something that obviously the Bulls did the exact opposite by getting the worst three-point shooters to join the roster and assemble. But uh, final like the,
1: take here. It's almost like the lights went out and they're just still shooting. <laughs> Not the. They, they're around. still shooting, and the, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And that's they'd probably hit more threes than they have all season. All right, final take for yeah. you. Um, looking ahead to the NBA drafts, and I like to get everybody's opinion on this. Um, if you had to pick your top three guys right now for the draft, um, who, who who are you taking? Obviously, a lot of people, most people I've talked to have taken Foltz. Uh, but there's been some other interesting conversations. I don't know how much you watch college basketball, but uh, there's been guys that have been named on on the several boards. And, you know, especially with college basketball going on in February and being a slow month in sports, um, this is a time where we di- really dive
1: into it. So this is going to be a quick conversation because I don't watch college basketball. <laughs> I watch March Madness as much as I can. And that's really when I start getting, in, you know, introduced to the player. So to be honest with you, I've heard Fultz and I've heard uh, Malik Monk and I've heard, I can't remember a couple other names, but I have no idea. So you tell me, who would you take? Well, first of all, where are the Bulls going to land with their pick? What do you think they're going to get?
0: I don't know. I've been seeing. I've been seeing for the Bulls anywhere between seventeen and 21, 20, If they can sneak up all the way to the fifth spot, which is not impossible. They're sitting in the sixth spot right now in the East, which yeah. is the saddest thing ever. Um, <laughs> but they're only three games out of the fifth seed, and they could even climb as high as the four seed if if there's happens to be some kind of strut, some kind of fall. Um, the Bulls could go as high as the five seats, which is pathetic for the season that they're having, but, but when, um, let me, let me I'm ask hoping you, and praying crossing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I'm crossing my fingers that somehow the Kings stay relevant enough to where the bulls can get that pick outside the top 10. Cause I don't know if you know that we've been waiting on this Kings pick for about six years now. Um, the Lual Deng trade that went to Cleveland, we're getting the Kings pick in return. And this is the last year we can get a first round pick for it. Otherwise it turns into a second round. So outside the top 10, I'm hoping that the Bulls somehow pull off two draft picks. But right now, NBA uh, NBADraft.net, which is a pretty good site to go look at. Um, there's a couple other ones. Roto World does a really good one, too. Um, a lot of different picks. And they have the Bulls taking Harry Giles from Duke, which he was the number one overall prospect going into college basketball a year ago, uh, going to Duke. He hasn't played all that well, but he's 6'10", 240. Um, And then at number 17, so that's if they got the Kings pick and at number 17, they got Miles Bridges from Michigan State, which I love watching a lot of Big Ten basketball. I think that guy's phenomenal. And Michigan State's been having um, kind of a roller coaster type season and not one that normally Tom Izzo has at Michigan State. But Miles Bridges was another top five guy in his recruiting class. Um, solid small forward in the league. He's going to be kind of one of those tweeners, those guys that could play power forward, possibly not. depends on his size when he gets into the league, how big he actually gets. But um, two pieces that the Bulls actually could really use is uh, a small forward that can shoot and drive to the basket and a guy that can rebound the damn ball.
1: Yeah, Um I would love to get in on this conversation with you if I could. <laughs> uh, well, looking... I'll tell you, I'll
0: tell Here's... you if I'll tell you what the, they got the 76ers taking. They've got the seventy sixers if they're getting, uh, supposedly they're getting the sixth round or the six number six overall pick. Um, Dennis Smith is from NC State. He's been one of the best players in the league, and they're talking about Dennis Smith being possibly the best guy out of this draft. Uh, so, point guard. Somebody that you could build around. Um, he's had a really nice year with NC State, and he'd be a guy that I would love. I don't think I see him slipping to number six, but uh, somebody that you guys can keep your eyes on, uh, maybe at least for a little while. But, yeah, like you said, I heard Malik Monk's name a lot um, for the 76ers, um, and he's been an interesting one in Kentucky to watch, too. He he can shoot. Man, that guy can shoot. I don't, He's got long legs, long arms. His wingspan is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you know about tankathon.com it's great. Um I'm looking at it right now. So they have they have Sixers at at number 5 right now and they have they have them taking Malik Monk at number 5. Uh Mark Kellfold's going number 1 to uh Boston with the Nets pick. I'm just reading off the list for you here. Lonzo Ball going to the Suns if this is how the the lottery pans out. Josh Jackson. I don't know anything about Josh Jackson really. I've heard nice things from the few podcasts that I listen to, but I again, I'm not really tuned in to to uh college basketball yet but listen i do know about well i do know about the bulls pick if if uh the kings pick if they get it outside the top 10 you know what happens to that pick if um if it's better than the sixers if they if the, if the kings somehow luck out and get the number one they overall swap pick, the picks don't they yeah they do <laughs> i love sam
0: Hinckley. The 76ers now just getting continue to being loaded in like you said it was actually fun to watch them tank all right. Well, well, my last take is if um, OG and OB2, another guy that uh, could possibly be an early second rounder, uh, and I know the 76ers got a second round pick, and people talked about him as high as the number 15, a top 15 draft pick. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He just had knee surgery for Indiana, but was is a phenomenal player. And if he comes out in this draft, he could be an early second round pick. So that might be somebody, somebody that the Sixers might be interested in, too. Listen, so that's a name to keep out for. But
1: I have no interest in any more injured players. Please, God, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you and me both. I mean, yes, look, at, look at us. Derek Rose with the knees. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Denzel Valentine with the knee injuries. Paul Zipser's been out for forever, which a guy that a lot of people that Garpax is very high on is Mm -hmm. is Paul Zipser. They think he's the next Dirk Nowitzki. Um, Mm -hmm. Interesting that both teams kind of parallel, but uh, it seems like the 76ers are more on the incline, and they're going to be on the incline for the future, whereas the Bulls kind of just hang. They're just hanging here with the 76ers, and it's not going to be for long before – 76ers are at the top of um, at the top of the conference and contending for a really long time with the the pieces that they built around. But um, I think that's that that pretty much covers everything. I mean, yeah. this was supposed to be more of a hateful podcast, but uh, we kind of turned it into more of the underlying issues and the bottom line of for both of our teams. Well, uh, but where can my listeners? Uh, where can we listen to you at? Uh, if you write, where can we? Where can we see all of your content across all platforms? All
1: right, I don't write because nobody wants to read that crap. Um, but <laughs> you, you can follow the Super Flight Podcast at. Uh, well, you can follow on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, all that stuff. You can also follow at ABPN, the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, where both of our podcasts are located. And uh you can follow the show on Twitter at SuperflightPod. Pod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli and uh and tell us, tell my listeners real quick, since we're doing a crossover here, where can we follow you? One more time.
0: Well you can listen to my podcast at, like you said, almightyballer.com, uh blog talk radio, Stitcher, iTunes, um, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find us. Um our last couple podcasts, we've had some really good guests on one from Sports Mockery, talked a lot about the Bulls. We did a dead I did a deadline podcast. If you want to hear some of the things, some of the issues that uh, we've kind of discussed in this podcast, I went into more of an angry, in-depth, uh, fiery take with that podcast because I was coming off this, this trade and I was so fired up that the bulls had given away so much for so little. Um, But you can follow me on Twitter too, at Jordan C. Malley. You can read my articles. I've been published in medium Fox sports um, bleacher reports. Uh, I do a lot of college basketball writing, a lot of big 10 basketball writing. So um, if you're looking forward to March madness, uh, follow, give me a follow on Twitter. I'll be having a lot of coverage of that over there. Um, Otherwise listen to our podcast and um, thanks for doing this crossover this crossover is a lot of fun and we need to start doing this more with other teams uh, gets get a few more teams maybe in the mix and um, really you know kind of get a lot of different ideas it's fun to see where teams are uh, when you're not specifically in that city and it's nice to touch base with other fans and other hosts to see like kind of where we all sit and I think it gives you your fans a little bit more of an in-depth discussion maybe like even an in-depth look at some of these other teams and um we feel your pain here in chicago to be honest with you we feel your pain uh the pain that you've gone through for the last few years but yours is looking up ours not so much
1: well i feel your pain too but neener 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 anyway (laughs) thanks man (laughs) it's been fun i'm I'm super happy to have you on and to be on your show so we'll have to do this again soon it was a lot of fun
0: yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast so you can listen to this uh, as um, we we'll have this uploaded. And uh, there will be plenty more podcasts from both of our podcasts. And uh, follow us at Debatables.
1: Great. Anyway, Jordan got cut off at the end there. Sorry about that, folks. But that was Jordan Malley. Thanks again, Jordan, so much for coming on the Superflight and having me on your show. Anyway, uh, that's two for me in two days this week, guys. I hope you enjoy it. And gals. And gals. Um, anyway, I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.